1: trustee co-host david blackman we have another great show lined up for you we're going to be joined by brooke simmons who is the president of the petroleum alliance of oklahoma but first before we catch up with brooke i'd like to welcome on commissioner christy craddock the texas railroad commission christy welcome to in the oil patch radio show
2: well thanks for having me i appreciate it a lot going on in the energy world today
1: there is, and Texas has three commissioners in the railroad. Basically, the function is everything oil and gas. It's an extremely important role that you play with how Texas looks and regulates the oil and gas energy sector. And I wanted to bring you on the show today because, one, you guys have experienced a lot in the last you know, couple of months with so much happening in the oil and gas sector. But you've also been very vocal on posting on your social media page things that really have gained my attention, like what's happening in Venezuela and uh, what's happening with the Joe Biden uh, task force now that they're unveiling this climate change guidance. So let me start with that question. Basically, it seems as though Biden has accepted Sanders' task force climate change plan. And one of them that really caught me by surprise in this whole entire task force recommendation is that they're discussing climate change to include a net zero economy-wide emission ban by 2050. And carbon-powered vehicles by 3035 will be technology-neutral standards for clean energy and energy efficiency, meaning that half a million school buses will be zero-admission vehicles within five years and that will have 500,000, another half a million changing stations in all these different states by local governments, the state governments. My question is, is this even possible? And I want to get your thoughts on what is a zero-admission vehicle.
2: I think a z- I'm not sure that a zero-admission vehicle exists number one so i think what people forget is energy is important to everybody right and that is where where texas leads quite frankly but the united states has been a leader in energy and energy policy for a long time when you're talking about zero emission the concept sounds nice so we all think okay well that's an electric vehicle okay well we're putting more electric vehicle vehicles on the road that's a, that's not a necessarily a bad or good thing. But to one, make those and develop those electric vehicles, you are using oil and gas products because what are you using? You're using plastics and other products made by oil and gas. You're using electricity and other a, that is powered by oil and gas, and. The only way you can have a light enough vehicle to be an electric vehicle is oil and gas products. So, number one, you're using an oil and gas product whether you whether you really think you want to or not. And two, you've got, when you look at an electric vehicle, and there are some, there, look, we need vehicles in, in electricity and energy of all kinds. I've always said that, and I will continue to say so. But when you look at electricity and electric vehicles, You've got to charge that electric vehicle, so you what are we going to do? Go to wind com- or solar completely. That's an interesting concept. I'd like to see how California does first because I know in Texas we'd like to turn on the air conditioning, and that doesn't always work well in Texas just to be elect- solar or wind. And two – yeah, you've also got the battery, and the battery ha- is developed. And, frankly, if you look at the battery, a lot of the development of battery and the recycling of, be- of the battery cannot you- – you're using carbon. So the concept that because you're driving an electric vehicle or some kind of school bus, which also costs money to that school district, which means you, me, and the taxpayer are paying that the dollars to retrofit or buy new school buses, um, the concept sounds great, but when you put it in to the reality of it, it really costs a lot of money and does not accomplish what they think they're trying to. So AOC's policies that Joe Biden is trying to put into place, are not great policies to begin with, in my opinion, and will cost this country trillions. I think the last estimate of, or the first estimate of AOC's policies for her Green New Deal work. trillion, and that all comes out of our pocketbook Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. without accomplishing a lot. And I think that's the real problem.
1: So Venezuela, crude output, you posted. uh, We all understand what's happening in Venezuela. But as of recently, they seem to have taken even a deeper turn downward with their output for crude has fallen and putting them in a deeper crisis. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Look, this has been an interesting six months, right? Right where the whole global market for crude has gone wildly crazy for lack of a better way to put it you know we've been at we were if you think look at the beginning of the year we started the beginning of the year that wti was 48 dollars and we dropped to negative 36 and we're back at about 40. but when you look at the world economy we're oversupplied right now and so crude's clearly down venezuela though is Hurting itself because of its socialist government policies, and it's not and it's not a Democrat or Republican issue in this country. It, they, we've had sanctions against Venezuela for over ten years because of their political policies, and so they've got state-owned enterprises, corrupt leadership, anti-free market principles, and. This administration has decided really to crack down and say, look, if you don't change your government and your policies, they've got people starving. They've lost what is about 10% of their population is moved out of the country, about 3 million people, because they have no jobs, no food, and they cannot exist under this administration. So it's a good example of how energy and oil and gas is being used to hopefully change a government policy. And change a government and I think that's a real opportunity versus the United States and and I'm gonna highlight Texas as we're talking because I'm from Texas we have good regulatory policy free markets we know work and we have we've lost a little bit of production but frankly we see opportunity for that production to come back online and get to the worldwide market Venezuela's got what one well I think operating today you can prompt all you want I tell people but you got to get it to market their markets are basically shipping it around the world. And we've now as the United States put sanctions on most of the vessels that were shipping their products. So they've got some real problems. It's time for their government to change.
3: Commissioner, I, um, I I
4: was going to ask you about the whole fight over proration, but you know, that that's kind of in the past. i actually, I'm thinking why not a a more forward looking question uh, about the railroad commission's budget, because, you know, it occurs to me that so much of, of the commission's budget is funded from fees and taxes on the natural gas industry. And and, and given that we're in kind of a bust, I imagine you guys are, are starting to get a little concerned about what the budget situation might be in the upcoming session of the legislature. And I wanted to give you a chance to to kind of talk about your, your outlook on that here over the next uh, six months of this year
2: timely. We've all been having lots of conversations about our budget. And for some of you who don't know, we are fee-based, as you alluded to, in our budget, which means drilling permit fees and other fees that come into our agency. Our drilling permits are off uh, right now 70%, which really affects our budget. I mean, it's a lot. We are averaging less than, of all permits, less than 20 a day. We were averaging about 50 a day before COVID. So that's a huge drop for us. So we are looking at our budget. And, look, we're a pretty small agency when you look at the scope of, of what we do is in the state. We only have 841 people who work for us. And we think we do a pretty good job, but we are looking at our budget. And we know that we are going to be short in the dollars we're bringing in. And so certainty in our budget cycle is going to be really important again. And we expect our budget to be off. The fiscal year in Texas runs September to September, as some of you know. So we expect the Railroad Commission budget specifically to be off this year, and we'll expect that to continue next year, depending on what the recovery looks like. And, you know, and I think that as you're talking across the state, we're very lucky in Texas to have what we call a rainy day fund, which is, you know, David, is severance taxes, is oil and gas is putting dollars into that fund and pays for that. But, and I think that will keep the state overall, give us some opportunity for the state overall to have some recovery in it. But as an agency, we're, we're looking to see how we, you know, we're, we've already cut certain things like buying new trucks. We are continuing to do our IT upgrade. Um, we are in the middle of an IT upgrade that will get us off a of mainframe with Fortran-based. And for those of you hearing that for the first time, yes, we are. Um, still on uh, we have got a good plan to to move forward and, and um, really get our IT upgraded look it's transparencies and it's efficiencies for us in the long term and we see real value in that and our and really we see value in and how we can manage our agency and and really everybody wants our our information so I do think we're going to have some real budget challenges as an agency and we started having conversations with, legislators and industry so they can understand where we are. So I appreciate you bringing that up.
1: Well, Christy, definitely, as I stated earlier, the Texas Railroad Commission is one of the most vital agencies that the state of texas has and so hopefully it isn't too difficult of a task we we need to make sure that the real world commission keeps moving forward with efficiencies well christy once again thank you for joining us on in the oil patch radio show when we come back from break we're going to be joined by brooke simmons who is the president of the petroleum alliance of oklahoma an interview you don't want to miss you're listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back
0: and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. 210-240-7188. Again, that's
1: 210-240-7188. And now it's time to welcome on the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma, Brooke Simmons. Brooke, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show.
4: Well, Kim, thank you very much for having me on, and it's a real pleasure to be with you.
1: You know, we were excited because this past month we we kind of uh, came together as a group here at, in the oil patch, uh, you're talking to David Blackman, who's just returning from Vegas, so he won't be joining us on the show. But we wanted to take a look outside of Texas because the show does air outside of Texas as well in certain parts, and kind of give our listeners an opportunity to learn more about what's happening in other shell plays and other areas that are focusing a lot of in oil and gas. And so I want to talk about specifically Oklahoma. You guys are known for it's an energy state as well. You've got Scoop and Stack, so we're going to get into all of that. But first, can you tell me a little bit about you are recently named as the president for Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Tell me how you got there. What have you been doing in the past? You're certainly no newbie to oil and gas. So we want to know a little bit about what brought you and how did you get there?
4: Well, thank you very much for the the, the question, Kim. And so my trajectory has been interesting. I really never thought that I would be working in oil and gas, but from Ardmore, Oklahoma, where I grew up. And when I grew up, the nights were lit by derricks in the air. And this was, uh, you know, I graduated from high school, and the 1986-87 crash occurred, and those derrick lights went out. Mm-hmm. And like a number of other folks, I had to think about what I was going to do to, to feed myself as a professional. And I became a journalist and worked as a journalist in, at the Oklahoma State Capitol and at my hometown of Ardmore, Oklahoma, and then was called to Washington, D.C. to work for Republican Senator Don Nichols from Oklahoma, and I did two tours of duty with him, and also worked for a congressman from Kentucky during his first reelect, and helped pull him across the line uh, and to hold that seat. That was the first Republican seat ever held, or excuse me, he was the first Republican ever elected to that seat since Reconstruction in Western Kentucky. And then, after my tenure on the Capitol, at the House and Senate side, then. My boss announced that he was going to retire, and I left and became a lobbyist. And as I developed my book of business, that became, at the federal level, representing folks like the International Association of Drilling Contractors, the American Exploration and Production Council, the Oklahoma Independent Petroleum Association, the Royalty Owners and Producers Educational Coalition, and others. And that began to really expose me to the industry. So when the crew change began occurring – Internally, in 2014, I was asked to come in-house, and uh, there were a couple of outfits that had talked to me, and I went to work for Newfield Exploration mm-hmm. in Houston mm-hmm. and was on the road about 200 days a year. 150 of that was in Oklahoma. We were in, in the Bakken in Oklahoma, Utah, and then we had some assets in Texas as well in the Eagle for which we sold in 2016. So, so that familiarity with Oklahoma served me well and sort of was the the catalyst, I guess, for bringing me back here because I had served OIPA in a a lobbying role and then from my new field perch handling all of its government affairs, serving on the executive committee and board for the Oklahoma Oil and Gas Association. And we would help bring those two organizations together over time. And so that's how I wound up here.
1: Well, you know, recently we've interviewed a couple of other associations in different areas of the United States—Marcellus, Shell area, and Colorado, of course, Oklahoma—and it, it appears. Well, first of all, oil and gas is never boring, right? It is always in flux and changing. But it also seems like the associations were seeing movement with new leadership, which is always exciting because you get different vision and and a different path forward. Um, and and we're also seeing you know, just different. Things unfolding, some merging, and so you 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 know you get this vibe that okay we're going to see something different come out uh, from these new leaderships that are you know taking over the association. So I'm excited to see what your vision is. And so let's begin with Oklahoma. Give us a little bit of history. How much of Oklahoma, the state, is? Involved in oil and gas Define how much your state Is really heavily dependent on oil and gas
4: Well that's a fantastic question Kim And if anyone has taken a look At Oklahoma Understands that the central driver For Oklahoma's economy is petroleum Period Mm -hmm. And the oil and gas industry Affects every other uh, Job creating category In the state And Just, I'll give you some figures I have here from 2018. In 2018, the industry generated $65.4 billion in state GDP. It accounted for one out of every $3 in earned income, about one in five jobs, one-third of the state's total economic output. It generated $36.8 billion in household earnings in 2018. It provided more than $30.4 billion to land and mineral owners since 2003. And on top of that, there is, are all the taxes that flow from the industry to the state to local governments for teachers, for public health, roads, bridges, prisons, et cetera. That was $1.13 billion in gross production taxes for fiscal year 2019 and more than generally more than $2.6 billion in taxes each year for the last decade. So you think about that sort of impact in the state of Oklahoma where it is really quite literally the the state's lifeblood Mm -hmm. and today we have nine or ten rigs running in the state.
1: We're going to get into that when we come back from break but to look at the similarities between Oklahoma and Texas they're very much similar in the way that you know it's an important very important issue when we talk about oil and gas in these two states. Uh, Brooke, we're going to be right back there. Take a quick break. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
0: Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200 kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at one eight hundred Agreco. That's one eight hundred A G G R E K O.
2: I'm Tracy Bentley, the CEO President of the Permian Strategic Partnership, an alliance of nineteen energy companies located in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico. For the first time in history, our companies have come together with one goal in mind: supporting our community. In twenty nineteen, our first full year of existence. We committed more than $30 million to support six major initiatives, built partnerships with dozens of community stakeholders, and helped secure an additional $1 billion in state and federal funding for roadway improvements in the Permian Basin. By partnering with local leaders, we will continue to work hard to make roads safer, improve schools, upgrade health care, increase affordable housing, and train the next generation of workers. Because we don't just work here, we live here, and neighbors are supposed to help each other out.
3: For more information, go to Permian. Partnership.org, PermianPartnership.org.
1: And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Brooke Simmons, who is the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Brooke, thank you for putting into context more or less the state and how it is looking at oil and gas, how important it is to the state of Oklahoma. But you also mentioned right before you went to break that y'all are at a rig count of nine or 10. I want to try to get where you guys are right now. And then where do you feel the state with, of course, energy is going? So uh, your rig count, you're at nine or 10 rigs for for Oklahoma.
4: That's right. And uh, I think Baker Hughes said it was 10 on Friday and I don't know if it's still still 10, but it, we're, we're at the bottom, really. Mm-hmm. We saw things kind of bottom out around nine rigs, and then we're just kind of in this holding pattern right now. Now, for every one of those rigs that's running, you put one of those, you stand up one of those, and you're feeding about 30 families for a month. And that's kind of a way to think about the the employment impact of that. Yeah.
1: That's not good numbers.
4: then, yeah, and then you talk about uh, the job loss within the in, within the industry so far, just as a result of this double black swan,
2: mm-hmm. not
4: only the efforts by Russia and Saudi Arabia to take out U.S. domestic production, but also the COVID-19 pandemic. And you're talking about a job loss that we believe since March is already at 100,000 jobs across the industry, and I suspect it's probably larger than that. The impacts, as you well know, when you shut down working rigs. And it doesn't matter which basin you're talking about. You're talking about grocery stores and restaurants and car dealerships and mom and pop pizza places that don't get to work
2: and don't have
4: customers coming in the door to spend money. I was out in uh, Midland uh, for a conference not too long ago prior to all of this. And I rode in the back of a cab and the cab driver and I were talking about what he was seeing. And he could already tell that there was a slowdown as a result of the, the price pressures. But of course, now you're seeing this ripple effect across not only Oklahoma's economy but across the all the entire oil patch.
1: Yeah, it is a, uh, a devastating impact. The the double whammy that occurred between the oil prices bottoming out and then of course the pandemic. Where do you think Oklahoma is going then? I mean, I know that we're all in this together. With really nothing happens until people start traveling again, until these restrictions are lifted, people start using more energy, and of course we get a good price on a barrel of oil and 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 so forth but where do you see your state going and is there any historical place to look at in the past when you guys had low rigs how did the state manage Um, and then more importantly what is the alliance in their members how how are you guys going to respond to this
4: historically I mean I have a chart on my wall that's the 70-year historical chart that shows the the collapses back in 93 and 97 2001 the dip in 2008 and really untold story about how domestic production, that combination of horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing, which really drove the U.S. economy out of the depths of the the Great uh, Recession in 2008, 2009 forward. But we do not expect, I guess, if you talk to most folks, you don't think about this comeback as a 2020 story. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that I'm positively and pleasantly surprised by the industry coming back on. We have an awful lot of supply to work off. We have an mm-hmm. amata of uh, tankers out there that have been uh, filled with uh, foreign oil. And we know that the refiners have to burn that off. And uh, so transportation fuel side of the equation looks, looks certainly tricky. Mm-hmm. In Oklahoma, we kind of think of this not as a, as a 2020 recovery story, but probably a back half of 2021. Mm-hmm. story and maybe some some brightness coming on in the third or fourth quarter of 2021 and and in 2022 hopefully more economic activity but we have a rainy day fund that rainy day fund is is a, a fortunate thing for us to have uh like texas even that and this kind of downturn doesn't yep but mm-hmm. it won't last forever so right. we're looking forward to getting people back to work
1: and, you know, I think that's the main focus that we should all focus on. This is why the show exists, is because we are talking to the average Joe, if you will, uh, or Jolene, about how important oil and gas matters to them. Even though they don't work in it, they have no understanding of wh- how does it affect me. And these jobs that are gone really have a rippling effect all over. whether you're in Oklahoma or in Texas, and we are very similar in that, in, in that sense. So it's not a good thing what we're hearing it, you know 2021 more or less if you can hang on you know you might we might see like at the end of the tunnel is what you're saying from what i heard it's a very trying time for the energy industry but brooke when we get back from break i want to switch gears and i want to bring this a little bit more into the trump administration and the election and kind of get your feel on that you're listening to in the oil patch radio show we'll be right back
0: remember this name oil field experts to locate any part anytime for your automotive or oil field equipment needs Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard to find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts 210 471 1923. Again, that's 210 471 1923, and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com.
1: We're back. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Brooke Simmons, who is the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Brooke, thank you for bringing us up to date of what's happening in your state and uh, how the oil and gas industry is is managing. You know, we're in an election cycle, and uh, I'm not going to get too deep into you know who are you supporting or you know the energy industry, but President Trump, when he did win his election. He was very supportive to oil and gas. He made a lot of regulation changes or deregulated, if you will. A lot of uh, regulation had been placed on the energy industry from the past administration. And um, I guess, you know, my question is, what's the sense uh, or the pulse out there of, uh, you know, these regulations? Has it has it helped? Uh, where do you uh, see this, all the regulations he did? Is it going to benefit Oklahoma? Uh, just give me your thoughts on the deregulation, if you will, that's been occurring in the Trump administration?
4: Kim, absolutely it has helped. And I will tell you that Trump's leadership and the leadership of folks that he put in place when he first took office was critical. Uh, Previously, we had such regulatory creep out of Washington, D.C., and the Obama administration, where he said he had a pen and a phone and he was going to exercise that if he couldn't get – uh, what he wanted to get through Congress. Mm-hmm. So from Secretary Zinke and Secretary Perry and their successors, Secretary Bernhardt Bernhard and uh, Dan Brulette, we have been able to continue that Trump-led effort to right-size the regulatory uh, structure. Now, it's every, at every step, it has been a fight. But you remember back on March 28th, twenty seventeen, the presidential executive order on promoting energy independence and economic growth, that signaled where he wanted to head. That that idea not only of went from energy scarcity to energy abundance to energy dominance under the Trump administration. And that idea that we are not going to be necessarily dependent upon foreign powers, we will Control more of our own destiny. We will create an opportunity for increased manufacturing in the United States based upon the low cost, clean burning natural gas resources that we have here and be able to export crude to other nations and how we get that there in the most effective fashion has been absolutely critical. And so many things, so many positive things have happened under the Trump administration on the oil and gas, and I actually have to go back frequently and just track the deregulation in the Trump era. And the the list is long. Frequently what I do is I go to an opponent of oil and gas, because they are pretty good at at keeping a nice comprehensive list of of what has happened. Mm -hmm. And then I pull that up and I go, oh, that was great, that was great, that was great. And it doesn't matter whether it's hydraulic fracturing or the methane rules or waters of the U.S., the two regulations have to go away for every one new regulation right all -hmm. of these things combined have have really begun to unleash the the u.s economy and we were headed in a very positive direction direction until of course the, the pandemic and it's i hope that we can recover soon and we can get back to that period of sustained growth one of the challenges that we have as we looked into the november election. Remember, we're not too many days away now from uh, first ballots being counted. Uh, they, that starts in at the beginning of October with absentee ballots and early in- in-person voting. Mm-hmm. The Polls don't look good right now for the president. Now, that's not to say that they aren't going to change, but he is definitely challenged going into his first reelect. So Uh, You take a look at that, and you think about what the world could be like in 2021 or 2022 without Trump in the White House, and you begin to understand how critical it is to to focus on the regulatory durability of some of these efforts that he has been able to lead. And some of the things we're going to find out were done really, really well, and some of the things we'll find out may not have been done so well. Everything's going to be challenged, but – if we have the wrong kind of leadership in the U.S. Senate and the wrong kind of leadership in in the House, then all of that progress will now be threatened. And- so that's the kind of choice from a, a, a self-interest uh, calculation folks are going to have to make.
1: Well, and you mentioned self-interest, but, you know, I want to discuss – I don't think it's a self-interest in the energy industry, what you're saying. Because for me, when I look at it, I realize we've heard Biden in the past when he was running against all the other elected officials that were running for the presidency. They all raised their hand to day one, putting a, you know, anti-fracking ban in place. And it doesn't take very much to have the voters look out and realize when this is imposed, we're not going to be as economically as strong. And we will be depending on other countries like we have in the past for our energy needs, which the demand's only going to grow in the future, making us more dominant on other countries. And it also comes back to it's a matter of national security. So do we really Mm -hmm. want to go back to a place where we are not dominant in this area? Um, And you are right. If we lose, not we, but if if the United States loses the house to a a party that also is very anti-oil and gas, You know, we're going to have some real serious issues. And, you know, to the folks that say they don't really particularly care for Donald Trump's rhetoric, and I I totally get it, but you got to look beyond that and look in your own self-preservation. What do you want? Do you want a strong economy? Do you want these jobs to come back? And do you want to no longer rely on other countries for their energy source and drive us back into wars that were totally unnecessary, correct? But... That's, I guess, a matter of personal choice, but we really need to think about these things when we go to the polls. Absolutely, we do. And
4: and when I talk about self-interest, I mean the enlightened self-interest that Mm -hmm. is the heart of capitalism. And if you take a look across the aisle and you take a look at the fact that the Democrat Party has been absolutely captured by the socialist left and how we have... Weeded out as a nation, those blue dog Democrats or those pro oil and gas Democrats. uh, That is an absolute tragedy, and I think about how sad it is that we have we have one party that is pro oil and gas, and we have another party that is anti-oil and gas and that is that is the truth that is reality where yeah. we are today
1: and that's our choice and we better get to the polls and vote brooke when we come back from break i want to continue on this conversation but i also want to get into esg and the discussion on produced water you're listening to you on the oil patch radio show we'll be right back
3: are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas, reputation, ratings online, website, advertising and social media and search engine optimization all of these areas really affect how google ranks your entire listing so if ranking on page one is your goal pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188 or simply go to shalemag.com business profile we'll be in contact with you within 24 hours once again pick up the phone and call us now 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find.
1: We're back. You're listening to in the Wall Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Brooke. Simmons, who is the president of the Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Brooke, we were talking about this upcoming election cycle and how really important it is that as we view which candidate are we going to go into the ballot box and select, please be thinking about your job. And, you know, do you want these endless wars in other countries um, that tend to draw us in because it's a matter of national security or do we want to keep on the path of energy independence. And this is how we do it is by having a strong oil and gas uh, platform. And uh, right now it is the Republican party that, that is standing for this. Anything else you want to say to our listeners on how important this cycle is to get out and vote in, in, and, uh, and looking at what should be the most important things to them?
4: Well, I 100% agree that our industry, our friends and neighbors need to be educated about what's at stake in november Mm -hmm. and throughout the primary season and take a close look at these candidates and where they stand i think that we also have to understand that that i think that this is probably going to be a pivotal election for the Mm -hmm. united states and regardless of how what the outcome is we will not be the same in 2021 as we are today and we were in 2017 or 2018 I, I, it's critical that folks educate themselves and go vote. There are also things that we need to be thinking of as an industry, especially when it comes to these issues that affect our ability to get financing, our mm-hmm. ability to sell our product, and that that ESG effort that is out there, environmental, sustainability, and governance, those issues are going to have to be addressed now. And it's, it's, it is a... a, a Perfect time for industry to think about what is beyond the horizon and how we prepare ourselves internally, whether you are a large company, which is already adopting a lot of the ESG efforts, Mm -hmm. or a small company, which everybody is wearing three hats and they don't have the time and energy, they're in survival mode. How do we create, as associations, the right kind of tools and the right kind of education so that regardless of what happens in November, we emerge in 2021? 2022, and the rest of this cycle ready to kind of embrace a yes and new new reality for what the industry is. You know, we're not we're not 1970 and 1980 and 1990 industry anymore. The modern oil and gas industry is much different. How can we carry as many people forward toward this new destination and new industry as we possibly can? I think that falls upon the uh, leadership at our, at our trade organizations to help get folks there, every company size.
1: And what do you say to the listeners that are saying, but you know what, oil and gas is environmentally not friendly and we need to weed that out. But at the same time, these same folks don't quite realize, but you get up every day and you enjoy lights and you're in your car driving to work and you're wearing clothes and makeup and every single thing that you enjoy, period, across the board is made from this. So from this product, from this oil and gas, we're not ready to get off of it, but The industry is moving towards finding greener ways of utilizing a product that we have to for life and death purposes, if you will. What do you say to those people? Because this ESG is all about that, about how do we look at the environment as, you know, the energy industry. How do they look at the environment and take every single precaution? Rather, it's water, produced water, recycled water, lowering air emissions which is natural gas is one of the cleanest burning. I mean, there's just so much education that's lacking to a lot of people. And it is this industry that's actually curtailing all this. If we want to believe that other countries, such as China or India, which are much bigger polluters to the planet, if we allow them to be able to pollute the planet, the last I checked, we're all in this planet together. So... Wouldn't, don't you feel better having the United States with all the regulation and oversight reviewing and, and managing and letting the operators figure out how to do this in greener ways to teach the rest of the world? What's your thoughts on that?
4: Kim, you're 100% correct. We produce m- the most efficient hydrocarbon molecule in the world. And our producers, through because of capitalism, f- the free market enterprise, and a regulatory system that is effective and sometimes too effective, we produce it better and cleaner here than do our competitors around the world. And I will tell you that if we are talking about human progress and we are talking about providing the basic feedstocks for everything that we do from the morning that we wake up uh, and, and go to sleep Even what we sleep on. Absolutely. Every product that you touch throughout the day is completely dependent on hydrocarbons, oil and gas. And the fact that we have clean burning natural gas in the United States in such abundance, we ought to be embracing that. We ought to be bringing manufacturing back home. And we certainly should have the right kind of public policies so that we can move that gas, whether it be from the Marcellus Shale or another basin, To the right markets domestically instead of having dirtier gas imported in or dirtier oil imported in from other nations that don't have our interests at heart. And I think that the left has completely missed the boat on this issue. If you believe in human progress and you believe in, in making certain that we're producing the most efficient, the cleanest hydrocarbon molecule, you need to support U.S. oil and gas production, period.
1: And, you know, I, I just don't think that the American people, we, we are very much stuck in a place where we're very, very spoiled in, appreci- in wanting low utility bills, low prices at the gas pump, an abundance of everything. And we don't realize that this is really what's at stake, not to mention that we really hate to send our children off to war. And all of that Horrible, horrific things that happen when we go to war. But that's exactly, look in the past, and it's there. It's there for the American people to see. And and I'm going to, you know, kind of leave us with this. You hear over and over and over again that elections have consequences. I don't think there's, you know, listening to you today, there is no greater consequence than this election cycle for what we are going to experience. And I do encourage our listeners, not telling you who to vote for, but get informed and and vote, you know, what you will, but just make sure you're understanding what's at stake, because if energy goes, there's going to be a whole lot of problems here. Brooke, before we leave, where can our listeners, where can they go to to uh, join the Alliance of Oklahoma and uh, get involved in your great organization?
4: You can just Google uh, Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. I think it's okpetro.com, okay, our web address, and it'll pull out the petroleumalliance.com. You can find out everything about us and find out our membership, our events, the news, our contact information. Uh, we represent folks who work in every basin. So you'll frequently find folks involved in Oklahoma or certainly involved in the Permian, the Eagle for involved in New Mexico uh, and other locations. So there is a great holistic opportunity to make certain that we're all pulling the oars in the same direction as we move through the rest of this fall.
1: And they can also go to your Facebook page, Petroleum Alliance of Oklahoma. Brook. thank you so much for joining us on In the Oil Patch radio show. Your interview was very enlightening to us. Thank you.
4: Kim. thanks for everything that you do.
0: In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.